Welcome back to Brit David Podcast as Pastor Tim brings us a conclusion to his message, The Day of Atonement and the Cross of Christ, from Leviticus chapter 16. The scapegoat is a vivid image of God's vast forgiveness. To place the sins of the people symbolically on that goat, then have it sent out into the wilderness so far that it never returns and is never found, reminds us that our sins are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. And that was done for us, not by a goat who was a mere symbol, but of Christ who literally bore our sins in his own body on that tree. It is the cross of Christ that provides us with real atonement. Here's Pastor Tim. All right, let's keep going. So you got the bull. It's appointed for self. Then number two is the goat. The goat was appointed as a sacrifice. As a sacrifice. Let's skip on down to verse number nine, if you will. He says, Then Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell. So in other words, he rolled dice. He, he cast lots to see which one of these two goats was about to be offered as sacrifice. So the one on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. It's a sin offering, not for Aaron, but this is a sin offering for the people. It's a sin offering for the place where he is as well. Now remember, he's, he's kind of introducing these things to us, and then a few verses later, he goes and describes it a little bit more. So skip down to verse number 15. This is where he talks more about this particular sacrifice. He says, Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, bring its blood inside the veil, do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions for all their sins. And so he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. You see, you can still have church and still have sin. You can still hang on to it and still go through the motions. Verse 17. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out that he may make atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the congregation of Israel. And he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, cleanse it, and sanctify it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. This goat is sacrificed as a blood offering back to the Lord for the sin of all the people. Isn't it amazing that, that God would choose the life, the, the blood of that animal to picture what Jesus was going to do for us on the cross? In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Not one person has ever been saved outside of the blood of Christ. To Titus, Paul writes and reminds us, not one person has ever been saved by the blood of these bulls and these goats. So then what's the point? 
Why sacrifice year after year after year this goat and say, it's for your atonement, it's for, it's for your sin to be wiped away? Why would he do that then if, if it doesn't matter? He didn't say it didn't matter. I just said it can't take your sins away. They were to see this and be reminded that he was going to send the sacrifice. In the same way that we get to look back in faith and believe what Christ has done for us, they're simply looking forward. They're looking at what God has prescribed for them in this event and say, you know what, this is a reminder to us of the exact same thing that he told Adam and Eve outside of that garden, that one of these days he's sending a Savior. He's coming, and it's his blood that's going to take away all of our sin and make atonement for us. The goat was appointed as that sacrifice. Then number three, there's one more goat. It's the live goat, what I'm going to call him. The live goat was appointed as a substitute. Sometimes we come to the Day of Atonement, we read through these verses, and we wonder, why in the world are there two goats? I mean, why, 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 why kill one and let another one live? Why? I mean, if the picture is the cross of Christ... Okay, then I, then I get it. He sacrifices the lamb, the, the, or the, the goat. The blood is drained. The blood is poured on the mercy seat. And I understand that. that, that that's, that's Christ redeeming us on the cross. So what's the point of the other goat? What's the point of the live goat? Let's read it and you'll see. It's introduced to us in verse number 10. Let's go there and then we'll read about what he has to say about it. He says, but the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. We still use that word, don't we? Any person that carries the blame for something that somebody else has done, we call them the scapegoat. This is the job of the scapegoat. Skip down to verse number 20. It says, And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the live goat, and Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all their transgressions concerning all their sins. <laughs> he, he didn't leave anything out, does he? Uses all the words, not leaving any kind of loophole. Aaron, you're to confess this over this goat in a, in a symbolic way, making this goat retain those sins, those iniquities, those transgressions. He is to bear those things as if he has done those things. And he says this, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities 
to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall come to the tabernacle of meeting, shall take off his linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his body with water in a holy place, and put on his garments, come out and offer his burnt offering, and the burnt offering of the people, and make atonement for himself and for the people. The fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar, and he who released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. The bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp, and they shall burn in the fire their skins, their flesh, and their offal. Then he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. Those men that are appointed to do so, once the high priest confesses over the head of that scapegoat all of the sins, transgressions, and iniquities of the people, allows that man, that team of men, to take that goat as far into the wilderness as he feels like he can go. To not tell Aaron, to not tell Moses, to not tell anybody. The point is, is that this goat's never coming back. They're never going to see that goat ever again. If they did see it, it would carry forever the blood-stained handprints of the high priest. They're not going to find him. And it's the job of these men to make sure that that never happens. So why have the scapegoat? To remind me and to remind you that when Jesus takes our sins away, He takes them away. They're gone. They don't ever have to be seen again. They don't ever have to be brought back up again. You retain those things. You remember them. You harbor guilt in your own heart because of the things that you've done in the past. God says He doesn't remember those anymore. He doesn't choose to remember them anymore. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed your sins from you. You've probably heard this before. I heard a preacher one time talk about why, why the Bible says that God moves them from east, as far as the east is from the west, instead of saying how far the north is from the south. <clears throat> because whatever point you want to pick on the globe, you head north. You just keep going north until suddenly you're going south, right? There is a couple of points on your globe where north and south meet. But you can pick that very same spot or any other spot on the globe. And you can head east and go east and go east and go east and go east and forever go east and never go west. There's not a place where east and west meet. The live goat reminds me that Jesus is my substitute. He bears in His own body my sins as He's hung on that tree. He is my atoning sacrifice. There's one more thing I want you to see out of this chapter today. And that is that God also set the purpose of the atonement. 
He set the purpose of the atonement. It's not just a ceremony in order to have a ceremony. In fact, it's not just a ceremony, is it? It's far more than that, far more than a celebration. It was a picture for them that they would need to believe and that they would need to look for. It's a picture for us to remind us of what Jesus really has done for us in three specific ways. Number one, the Day of Atonement pictured forgiveness of sins. The Day of Atonement pictured forgiveness of sins. Look, if you will, in verse number 30. It says, For on that day the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. If you haven't marked anything else in your Bible tonight... That final phrase is worth highlighting. That you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. The Bible says if you will confess your sins, that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to what? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In my Bible, when I turn to that verse in 1 John, you know, I've, I've had this Bible... Really, my whole Christian life. And at some point in there, I wrote, the devil may allow you to remember that you've been forgiven, but doesn't want you to feel clean. I don't think our enemy wants us feeling clean. Yet all the way back here in the, New Te- in the Old Testament, he says that the atonement, the covering of my sin cleanses me that I might be clean from all of my sins before God. When I stand before Him, I stand before Him clean like Jesus. Jesus takes my sin that I might not bear them. You know, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that not one sin will ever enter into the gates of heaven. So how does that work? Because... Because I'm still messing up. You know? Because He forgives my sin and He cleanses me so that the Father sees me the same way that He sees His Son. That's the only way that you get to go in. The Day of Atonement pictured forgiveness of sins. Number two, the Day of Atonement pictured fellowship with the saints. Fellowship. With the saints. Let's, let's skip down to verse number 33. It says, Then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting, and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests, and for all the people of the congregation. This simply reminds me that we're not better one from another. We're all forgiven, all can be forgiven. And we're all in this together. This tabernacle, this place of meeting, we don't have a priest, but we got a preacher. We got people, people of the congregation. We all need atonement, the covering for our sins. The fellowship that we share with one another is not because we have language in common 
because we have color in common, because we have uh, a culture in common, it's because we have Christ in common. He's the one that holds us together. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is the one then that we serve. That leads me then to number three. The Day of Atonement pictured following the Savior. Following the Savior. Look, if you will, in verse number 34, the very last verse of the chapter. He says, This shall be an everlasting statute for you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And look at this. And He did as the Lord commanded Moses. Once Aaron was atoned for, once his sins were forgiven, he's ready to serve his Savior. Once your sins are forgiven, and you know it, and you sense the cleansing power of God, don't you want to serve Him? Don't you want to make a difference in the lives of others who also need that same atoning? Aren't you tired of trying to cover up things all by yourself? Let God do what God does. And we will celebrate it. Father, we're grateful for these feasts and for these uh, holidays that you provided for your people in the Old Testament. They're reminders for us in the New Testament that sending Jesus to the cross was not your reaction. It was your plan from the very beginning. You, you saving me was not your reaction to my need. It was your choice because of your character. Jesus, I bless you today. I praise you and worship you today because you are the only Savior. Not only the Savior of the whole world, but mine. I thank you that you became my scapegoat, my substitute, that I would never bear the penalty for my own sin. There is no way that I can say thank you for that enough. Help me simply to live a life of gratitude and of service before you and before your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's a great passage. But it's also one of those passages that makes me come clean before God. If I can use that as an expression. To make sure that I know that I belong to Him. To make sure that my life on the inside and on the outside are clean and right before Him.
that my motives are pure, and that the results are His. If that gives you cause to come to the altar, I pray that you will. And if I can help you, I will certainly do that to the best of my ability. Let's stand together. If you can and you need to sing, then do. If you need to pray, then do. If you need to get on your knees and thank God for what He's done, then do. Okay, This year at Brit David, we would like to challenge you to join us in reading through the Bible in a year. This is a great and rewarding way to start your day. If you would like a copy of the reading plan, you can request a copy at churchoffice at brittdavid.org. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.